You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hello, this is Bradley Martin of the Screener Squad. I'm here to talk to talk to you today about NXIVM. A cult, which doesn't like to be called a cult, so I'll just say it again. A cult, terrible thing, created by some douchebag named Kenneth Keith. Keith or Keith? Keith Rainier. And a bunch of sick, disgusting associates of his that embezzled, trafficked, racketeered, a bunch of crimes. Some that are still being prosecuted against to this day. Ooh, and we're hoping that he never gets out of prison. Now, that's not a spoiler. It opens up with him being arrested and going to jail, as they say. What this documentary does is follows Mark and Catherine, who tell the story, their story, of being involved in this cult from the 90s onward, uh, 96, 98, 2003, 2006, It jumps all over the place of the weird ongoings of this self-help, again, cult. And how they escaped, helped others escape. And what they did to help prosecute this man, Keith. And also Catherine, um, the story, her story, I was most interested in actually. Pursuit to saving her daughter from this disgusting group of people. uh, Her daughter, India who I believe is featured in a different documentary about the same cult. But I'm not going to ramble on and on saying that word over and over again. Not alone. No. Today I have the man they call Hamgrad, Matt Foster with us. It's a, it's Hamgard, like Vanguard. That was my, uh, I'm but, so sorry about that. So I what, what I, what I have to say about this group is that cult, 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 cult. <laughs> wait but isn't it a cult yes. i've heard it might be a cult yes. that's that is what they're calling it in the tabloids just, when this ended guys and uh, ladies i was just so worried that someone would come away being like was it really that big of a deal we have jennifer with us with us as well jennifer hello hey folks and my right-hand man, practically, we've done so many reviews together. We got Santi with us. Hello, hello, everybody. Now, what'd you all think of this docu-series? Did it get the point across as I did that we are witnessing the birth and destruction of a cult? I don't know. I, I got a lot out I of it. I think that's accurate. Uh, actually, I, I really realized a lot of things about myself, and I've been getting called backs. wonderful no these these people are messed up man i um 
I, I was taken by more than any other cult that I'd ever seen depicted. This one specifically attached itself to already successful or immediately up and coming people. So like there's a, you know, there's an old saying about uh, how to sell something uh, and, you know, how, how should I sell this? And the answer is to people with money. And this guy really did that. He, he got heiresses and, you know, inheritors and up and coming actors, uh, several from the show Smallville. Uh, Allison Mack was essentially um, one of his bigger co-conspirators. And the story is pretty compelling. Um, I have to say, technically, I think this doc could have been tighter. Like, it didn't have a lot to say uh, past a certain point. And, and it got kind of repetitive. And there were a couple. This very easily could have been eight episodes. It really could have been six. Uh, that's my that's Agreed. my big complaint. Um, that and it's it's uh, Mark... Mark uh, Vincene, the producer uh, or the director of uh, what the what the f do we know? You know the pop science, quantum theory is magic documentary that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. he he was a high ranking member and he was very both both participant as a figure in this documentary and I believe he was part of the crew. So it, yeah, he and, was in an, all nine episodes. Too. Yeah, and it really it really reads as like an apologetic for him and his wife at points. And I don't think, um, I just don't think they, I don't think they gave all the money back and personally apologized to everybody that they, you know, messed with. Whose lives that were destroyed by their involvement. My yeah. It does kind of seem to me like HBO just sort of hopped on to his already existing documentary of his own life. This, this guy, Mark, um, who is, I guess, the main character of this documentary um, because of the role that he played and kind of just like who he is as a person, apparently. Like he's just someone who documents everything. He's been filming his life from what I understand since he was pretty young and, and he films everything and it records every conversation he has on the telephone. And I find this guy to be like rather interesting. And then I feel like this was already happening. And then like, they realized how hot this was, frankly, and I okay. think that this this more reminds me of like reality TV because it does get like a little like laggy and the I think there's the pace is drawn out but I, I but I do think that uh, there's something to say about the fact that I'm not sure that this story had fully panned out when they started this documentary like I think Keith is getting sentenced on Tuesday if I understand correctly um, and there's people who are still getting arraigned there are. I mean, this story is still unfolding. I, I bet they probably didn't even think that there was going to be a part two like there is um, already going to be on HBO. And that's part of, like, I think a, a new phenomenon that we're, like, experiencing. And I think it happened with, uh, there was a there was a documentary series that they did uh, with a famous person who killed people. His name was Robert, um, it's an HBO Yeah, Dur Durst Hurst. Uh, yes. The yeah, yeah, that that I mean that guy got essentially arrested, or if not, the suspicion of his crimes like was was heightened by the documentary that he was right. actively doing with HBO, which probably result like ultimately had a lot to do with his like his indictment, and so that's just like what I think is like maybe they knew this was going to happen, maybe they didn't think that it was going to happen, maybe they thought if HBO hopped onto Mark's documentary that Keith would most certainly get arrested. Mm. Um, 
and and that's fascinating to me but yeah it was it lagged like crazy oh i was just gonna say it's also pretty chronologically jumbled yes that was my biggest note in in my notes about the show was just the sheer i can't tell what's happening when it bounces back and forth a lot there's a lot of filler in there there's just so much to it that i'm the the cohesive storytelling is just not there well and it's also the the documentary itself has like a new age production design so it's very like it's like someone trying to satirize something they do like, cause, cause mm. Mark Vincene is the guy that directed all of Nexium's materials. Like that was his, he was the head of the cult's media arm. And so, so his documentation style and his interview style is very like some of the stuff that he shot for the group. And that, I don't know, that added a, a note of veracity, but I, I will say that like, production quibbles aside the story's fascinating and the keith ranieri guy is just a train wreck that you have to you can't avert your eyes from you know he's like a weird little like uh he's he's like if you took if, if they took david foster wallace and gave him the lord of the rings digital shrink he's like yeah. um he's and he, he wears like headbands and tennis wear and they play they play volleyball as a cult together all the time and and that's their that's their big political uh Political jam session. The League of Sweatbands. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it because this is a thing that I watched since COVID has started, this is like a less interestingly paced, but just as one-upmanship version of the Tiger King story. Yeah. Like where every episode attempts to outdo itself and it gets deeper into this this rabbit hole of how crazy this thing really is you start at the top level and you're like all right this is a thing that happened this is kind of a weird cool story and then it just goes and it gets crazy and crazy until about episode six when there's an entire episode of fluff that i'm just like this is i don't care about this person i don't care what they're doing or where this is going get back to the juice give me the good stuff and then it moves on it's just, yeah, there's so much of this that I agree. I would have preferred this to be six episodes with what they, they gave us and a whole lot more of what they didn't. Like like reading the description of what this show was supposed to be, there's supposed to be a lot about the sex trafficking aspect of it and elements of, like, the child trafficking that happened. And they don't barely touch on any of that. Well, I mean, yeah, I have, a, I have a note here, and it's, it's episode eight of nine. And my note, my note I, I was taking little notes and, like, there's this whole thing where like they try to get the Dalai Lama to come out and it falls through a couple times. And then um, one thing this documentary left out is that they finally just paid him. They just made a big giant donation and the wheels got greasy. You know, oh, wow. But, um, really? That's that, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> Cause, I, was, <laughs> cause, cause I didn't know that. And yeah. I was sincerely like, wow. These slime balls got the Dalai Lama to come over. And there's this scene where the Dalai Lama is talking to Keith. And I guess he ex- they're, they're sitting next to each other, like kind of adjacent, facing the camera. And the it Dalai like- Lama extends his hands and Keith kind of just like grabs it for a moment. And the Dalai Lama obliges him for maybe like two seconds. But he just like literally yanks his hand away as if he had just touched he gives- something Gross. Gets, it's like a really awkward bad date that you are not yeah. about and you do not want them to I was like, I was like, did anybody, I mean, did anybody else see that? Like, cause it was so, <laughs> I cringed. It was like so, oh yeah. He gives so the, obvious. He gives oh, the God. Dalai Lama the handshake you have nightmares about giving your father-in-law. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> it felt more like he was like, I want to hold your hand now because we're trying. I'm trying to build the narrative that we're having this deep emotional connection. And the Dalai Lama was like, dude, I'm just, I'm just here. Like you just gave me money. Like no, we're not having that yeah, moment. It's just but like, appearance. so my notes <laughs> here, like I have, um, episode seven. My first note is, I guess Sarah can't make scrambled eggs because she made a really bad pan. And then 15 minutes into episode seven, right? We finally get into the real history that Keith ran a bunch of MLMs and ran them into the ground and has been arrested before. And they barely even touch on it. Yeah, barely. they finally, episode seven out of nine, they finally knocked the teapot over, you know? And then episode eight, the only note I have on episode eight is, oof, this is the audacity episode. Like, <laughs> like, cause it finally, they finally, eight episodes, eight hours into it, they start talking about the really bad shit. You know. Yeah, yeah. It was and, weird when they dropped that. It's like, oh, there. I feel like they were trying to really sell us on the idea that Keith wasn't completely selling them bad shit, like freaking like magic fuzzballs the whole time. And they're just like, for lack of a better word, really gullible people who fell for a really bad pitch. And they knew it the whole time too. And I think that that the documentary like purposefully leaves some of those tidbits out because i mean there's pieces of the 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 dogma that they're that he's putting forth was like just littered with sexism and bigotry like from it seems from the very beginning oh he had absolutely nothing to say that sounded interesting or even compelling so i wasn't sure I like the term you guys used earlier, like this guy, this is the guy that has a thousand and growing following and all he's offering is his lame ass words that don't go anywhere and torture. The thing that he talks about where um, most men allegedly have a repressed memory where like a girl hit them on the playground and they weren't allowed to hit the girl back and they quote unquote carry that wound. And and like, and that's, that's that? the root like, you of you just hate women. Like yeah. you're really right, angry right. about a and lot that of things. Like, and then convinces women to let him berate them in yeah. public. And it's it's buried so it's deep terrible. in the documentary that like I think a lot of people aren't gonna make it past the episode five. And and the the the, the, the content here is on the tail end for sure. And it's uh it's really strange to me and then uh, the other thing I found out kind of doing background on this is that there's an entire, there's a competing documentary series. And the reason a bunch of people like, like there's a bunch of people that are like conspicuously not interviewed for this. And I assume they were all still in the cult. And it turns out it was a pick and choose. Like you had to pick the only person that's in both of them really is Catherine Oxenberg, who probably, oh, okay. who was well, her uh, daughter, Alexis Carrington on dynasty. I and believe her, her daughter, daughter is yeah. heavily in the in in, in, in the, the new documentary because I guess she lit, left the cult and I guess there wasn't a documentary to hop onto, which is why I, I believe like I don't think HBO planned on having part two of this documentary when they started. Um, I didn't know anything about there being a part two. I'm willing to bet that they would have just said like, "Oh, this is like a continuing limited series." If they knew it was going to be like unfolding this way. I mean, they said it's premieres in 2021. I'm willing to bet it's going to pick up pretty soon. I mean, there's not a whole lot of production value for this documentary. It's probably just a few handhelds if I'm being completely honest. I mean, it's probably just new interviews and then assemblage of stuff they drop from this one. It's, it's, but, um, the, the, oh, the other thing I found out that's cool is the, there's a figure in it called Nancy Salzman. 
and in this documentary she looks kind of like the nice lady that that did the legitimate arm of it and in real life she was a separate like much like Mar- Mar- Marshall Applewhite the Heaven's Gate guy who met a separate cult leader and they they decided to put their peanut butter in the in the or their Reese's in each other's peanut butter these two people mixed met and mixed their approach and made a much more potent flavor of bullshit together and I wonder she if, is like, these candy companies appreciate being affiliated with cults it's Reese's with like I think it's Kool-Aid and Reese's now like oh man what's next if, if, if Reese's is <laughs> I, I want to have the problem of Reese's tries to cancel me like I want to have I want to have <laughs> big, big candy keeping an eye on me on Halloween, they the, can't afford to cancel. They're good. It's my, it's my understanding that that Nancy woman is being brought up on charges of racketeering. Um, they found like something like over like several hundred thousands of dollars in cash in her home when they arrested him. Yeah. Um, I also you... interesting tidbit about this Keith guy that I'm sure everybody's gonna love. I read that whenever the, the cops raided the house, he hid he hid in the closet and made Nancy go out there and talk to the police. <laughs> That sounds well, about yeah, right. That sounds like Keith. Like if you go down the rabbit hole too, uh, one thing that's actually amazing is nothing is actually in Keith's name when they seized everything. So, so like smart. very and very technically, if he ever wavered in his control, they could just lock him out. That's you know? how uh, that's how the con but, works. You don't but, put anything in your name. Like, but he right was, now, one of the. Uh, biggest con artist living right now is all like, I've never heard of Rudy Giuliani. I don't know who he is. He's not my lawyer. <laughs> Anyways. Well, is he, has he started to disclaim yet? But um, I, I don't know. Maybe by Wednesday when people hear this. Right. He was never any Matt, good. What a- he was never any good. That's why I fired him. Right. Yeah. Why don't you take us into our final thoughts? My final um, thought yeah. on this would be the story is compelling. I do not know if this is the best portal to the story. Uh, there's another doc floating around. I won't be tacky and plug it in the review. Good. Um, Good. But uh, there's some books. There's some. There's been plenty of long form print reporting and web reporting on it. Uh, this is there though. This is I. This is a very good office. You know, work from home, background watch type thing. Um, and it is. Yeah. I did that. Like, I, I found the guy, like, like the, I do think there's an apologetic note to it because it, it made them rich and it got them into the industry and they're going to stay that way. But uh, Vincente did, he, he, at one point, he, he has a little bit to say about how, like, nobody joins a cult. Like, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't sign up to be evil. They don't tell you, like, this is evil. You could join a, a church or a group or a gym or a, MLM and find yourself in a cult. And I think, I think it is important to forgive. Like, like if you're ever trying to deal with con artistry in real life, one of the hard parts is getting the people to forgive themselves and not feel stupid and, 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 and and weigh outing their participation and outing their exploiter over, um, cringing away from uh, admitting their culpability. And I thought that was an interesting aspect of it because we don't get that point of view very often, but there was too much of it. And it came across a little bit like, like, uh, eventually he started apologizing for himself, you know, uh, past the point of taking ownership. So I would give it, I would give this a six because I think it's the number of episodes it should have been. Very nice. 
Santi. Um, this is not something I would normally like watch this because it it's reality TV. I mean, it's um kind of like unfolding as you watch it. There's weird like those interview segments that you know were uh, immortalized in in awesome comedic fashion with The Office. And they literally have those in this where, like, it's just, like, someone, you know, having a moment with the camera. Um, the cons- that considering, like, I, I actually really enjoyed this. Like, I thought it was interesting. I did think that it, like, you know, like, like everybody agrees that it does tend to lag a little bit. But I think that's a, a consequence of the, um, of the format. And if I consider all those things, I think this is this is totally fascinating television, actually. Like, I, I think it's great stuff because I I kind of, maybe I'm, like, sadistic about, like, you know, eating the rich. and but, but, like, I just think that this is kind of awesome. The fact that, like, all these wealthy, well-off people, like, gullibly got sold by this sick, twisted little man um, into, like, <laughs> oh, God. Like, I mean, the, the, what, what actually, like... The, the sex trafficking part is of course like disgusting and sad but like i think like everything else is just like honestly like when, when i'm reading about like what um actually was was happening from the beginning it makes me like want to slap myself because it's like how could these like really smart and like seemingly like normal people be so stupid and that is why it's so fascinating i suppose and that being said like i think this is um you know uh, oh man Damn good television, and um, <laughs> and so the, uh, I I I think that anybody who's into um, that level of TV watching should watch it. Like if if people who watch like you know Desperate Housewives would eat this shit up. Like um, th- that's just kind of like within that vein. And if you're not into that sort of thing, maybe like you know just read the uh, all the long form journalism that exists about this because some of it is probably better than watching these how many episodes was it eight it was nine episodes nine nine episodes man and some of them like felt so dang long like i can't tell you how long it felt i was like wow it's only been like 40 minutes there's still a whole 20 minutes left because it felt like i was watching an entire movie anyway um i give this documentary a i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten um obscure branding irons man <laughs> yeah harsh oof jennifer yeah on that point that i think of the entirety of the situation that's the part for me that is the hardest to digest it wasn't a branding iron it was a rod that they had to manually carve into the people for half an hour without being anesthetized I don't care what you're going through in life and and how loyal you are to an organization. How in the world do you justify putting yourself through that or watching other people put themselves through it and still do it to yourself? I can't. My brain is not capable of fathoming that. So the thing that stands out to me the most about this project is, you know, there's there's a difference between the journalistic aspect of I have to blow the roof off of this thing so that people can learn about it and we can, you know, tell the story and... I need my nine hours of fame, so I'm going to ad nauseum have clips of myself and my people that kind of dig myself out of the hole that I buried myself in for 15 years. So when you think about it, 
the, the thing that struck me the most from the beginning of this to the end was how the sheer volume of footage that they had from not only the stuff that he was doing for the organization. Like, that makes sense. You were asked to film everything about this organization, fine. But the stuff from his personal life, being at home, working on whatever, and recording himself. All of the phone calls that he had. Like, can you imagine how many terabytes of data he must have had from videos and, and audio clips of every phone call he'd ever had with himself, his wife, everything. Like, from even before, supposedly, they knew he knew that there was a problem. He has audio files of all of these conversations. So he had the, this smacks of premeditation to me. They had to know that this was the story they wanted to tell and where they wanted it to go because that footage of those key moments exists. They had to. You have a thing, Matt. I can oh, tell. I think he was doing it when he was because he was like number two or three in the organization. So I think he was he started the I mean, he's a film kid by nature. So some of it was probably authentic. Right. But I think he became radical about recording everybody. So he had blackmail on them. He collateralized yeah. the collateralization well, and, of the organization. And the people, and the Absolutely. people downhill from him. Absolutely. He was doing it as part of the process. And and, and yep. him in particular acting like he was, I guarantee you, like, I don't want to tell tales out of school. I don't want to speak for the, the bad gender about how men work. But there's no way that two of these guys were were carrying on with all the women consensually and not consensually and they didn't tell their three tight like their three tight male buddies about it right like there's there's just no way that that top circle of people didn't all know what was going on like it's 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 beyond implausible so and it manifests for me particularly in the relationship between him and his wife there's never a moment in this project unless i'm mistaken and have forgotten things where they are close physically there is physical distance between them in every moment of this project, which tells me that they're, that things aren't kosher. They aren't as cool as they wanted to be. I think that he started doing this to well, yeah, dig himself he, out of the hole that he knew was going to get blown off eventually and wanted to rewrite the history. A, and that's the thing. He on the floor in a dog bed. And the, in and a dog bed. Up, and a famous person from TV had to tell her that was wrong. Like, come like on. Al- like, Alexis come on. You Carrington, can't. It, there's just no. Alexis Carrington, wait, you did not have a normal marriage. <laughs> You know, like that's... yeah. So okay. So so all of those things aside, this whole this whole thing, man. So so there's that element of it, and they didn't tell the story just in a way that blows the roof off the sucker. They told the story in a way that makes you feel endeared to them and to to him specifically. And so you know he's making money off of this. As you've said, he ha- he didn't give back any of the however many bazillions of dollars he must have made o- off of this organization for 15 plus years. So I just, I can't have sympathy for it at that point. Like, you were in it too long, you knew too much, you were involved in too many things, and you explained away so much stuff. I just can't. And so the hardest part for me for this whole thing was separating the filming of the project and the actual film we were watching and analyzing the content mm-hmm. and what was in Same. it and the story itself. I think I will enjoy it, it as much as you can enjoy this thing. I will enjoy this much more in the future when they tell, when somebody else tells the story of the psychological aspects of all of this and picks that apart and the people elements and those ties. I want to read that book later on. This, 
not the best way to get this story. I think I, you can learn more from reading the Wikipedia page and feel less like you need a shower because this guy aggrandizes himself. So, all right. So I will give this five out of 10 sketchy basement whiteboards with all of like the connective dots of all of the people that looks like it's taken out of like an FBI murder mystery film. What's what's the, uh, the, the always sunny, the, the, um, Pepe's. Pepe Silva. Pepe, Pepe, yeah, who is Pepe Silva? Very nice. Well, for me, I agree with a lot of what all of you guys are saying. Uh, I hated watching this, but I really kind of hate the subject matter. But I do think it should be exposed. So I don't want to take points off for that, for my own stubborn attitude. Like, I don't want to hear about this loser Keith seducing people with his ridiculous sayings about so many different ways to say, you got lemons, make lemonade. <laughs> And that gets you millions of dollars? How? How would it? And why? Why? Don't give him your money. Uh, but I also love reading about the rational mind. I don't believe in ghosts. If I'm walking around my house at 1 a.m. and I catch a glimpse of my reflection from a window or even a mirror, my brain will be like, oh, shit, a ghost is in here. So the rational mind is very, very strange. So. I do sympathize with people who get caught up in these situations. And it was really, really sad to hear about how many and to read about how many in the Wikipedia article, because the, I think this documentary softballs so much of the monstrous activity going on. And that really upset me a lot. And it was boring and long, but a lot of these stories do need to be told. So I'm going to say six teal stripes on a really long white silky scarf we didn't even talk about the scarves we didn't talk about the scarves <laughs> my scarf gives me authority or what I, I don't even remember the deal with them to be honest with you wasn't even Whew. a bit of an idea oh so stupid black belt green belt beige well, I- belt so, like, we're going to institute that system into one of us, right? I think we should. Uh, you know, I think like we the... should go with. We should take the color system and apply it to the sweatbands. Well, so Chris would here. have Tom Baker's Ooh. scarf, right? Yeah. He's the leader. I like that. No, monkey the would. Monkey, yes, would have Tom mm. Baker's scarf. Very good. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, and in all, like, my cynicism is is such that I think that. Um, I think that when you first go to these things, like when you first go to a Scientology debrief or one of these sessions or EST, which this is another thing you find out as you look into this, is it was super ripped off from other cults. He was not just a cult leader. He's a cult leader plagiarist. But um, but I think especially when they're in this this circle of people, I think people keep going to them for access. Like oh, you, wow. you, you like the, you, you know, cause one of the things in the secret, which is another, like, I won't call the secret a cult, but there's some culty groups that sprung sure, up around sure. it. Um, one of the things in the secret is you're the average of your six friends. And I okay. think that, I think that principle is the thought process here. They, they, these people, they go and there's someone like an Allison Mack or a, uh, you know, a, a director or a producer there and they want to keep networking. And before you know it, you've you've mumbled along so long that you've memorized the hem, you know? Yeah. Wait, so exactly. it's just a pyramid scheme? <laughs> Damn! <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to end us. I'm going to cut us off there before all these cults sue us and sue one of us. So 
Thank you for listening.